Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to the MBA Jam. Today's episode is slightly different. So far, I have had some very successful entrepreneurs come on to the show. However, today I have the privilege of talking to someone who is on the other side of the table when entrepreneurs are trying to raise money for their businesses. Today's guest is Wendy and Wendy is currently an investment manager at a very successful VC firm in the US called NotZone who have invested in some very popular companies such as Spotify, Market Invoice, iZettle, Trustpilot and many others. Not only that, Wendy has also co-founded a business called Cohatchery, which is a co-working space for parents. We will hear more about this in this interview with her. Wendy, welcome to the show. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, the intro. Interestingly, actually, uh, North Zone is is headquartered in Europe, which is why you might hear some of those um, names as being mainly European. But I do work in the New York office here uh, at North Zone, and there's three of us here. So it's really great to be with you. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks a lot for that. So first of all, Wendy, are there any corrections you would have want me to make in the introduction, <laughs> in the introduction about you? Is, is there anything you would like to add? Uh, no, I think that was, that was good. I think, um, yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. I mean, usually I, I do end up talking a lot about, uh, you know, on, on the introductions, but this time I'm trying to have a slight script so that I don't go completely off track. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Great. So, Wendy, um, you mentioned a little bit on, on the North Zone. Just wanted to get your view. Um, can you can you talk a little bit more about how your career path has been um, so that we can try and fill in some details of the different transitions you made uh, along yeah. the different parts? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm happy to do that. I think when I started off my career, I guess it would be somewhere uh, in the middle of undergrad when people start applying to internships. I I never really um, thought about sort of like the 10 or 20 year plan. Um, I I always sort of positioned myself in a place where I could make more choices because I didn't want to make a very defining choice um, at that point. (laughs) So, for example, instead of, you know, becoming specialized in something like engineering, um, I decided to pursue a general business management undergrad degree um, at the University of Michigan, which was a really great program. And you could actually um, apply in high school, unlike most business uh, programs. And it was the first year where they had this thing called preferred admit where basically like over eager high school students could apply to be one of 100 in the program who would automatically be admitted into the business school as soon as they started. So I started that program because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, you know, be successful generally, <laughs> but like I had no idea what that meant. So I went into the program. I learned a lot of great fundamentals around accounting and, you know, business planning strategy. Um, We also had a pretty interesting IT course where actually we had a speaker come in and talk about the iPhone before it was launched. And like, this was like a revolutionary thing to us back then. (laughs) He was like, we are going to have one device where all of your things are going to be. And we thought that was just like, whoa. Um, But that was a pretty interesting experience. It prepared me to how to, to, how to like best function basically in the business world coming from, you know, basically I was a kid. Everyone who's <laughs> high school is, is mostly, you know, clueless about 
Um, I wouldn't say everyone, actually. I think nowadays kids are a lot more prepared, but back in my day, definitely. So then I went on to consulting because I didn't want to make a a decision again about where specifically I wanted to be because I wanted to learn more still generally about the business world. So I like to think of, um, so first I started at Accenture and then I moved to AT Kearney, both great firms. Um, I just... I thought of that time as kind of a broad survey through the business landscape across different industries, verticals, as well as um, hierarchies and functions. It was really like speed reading for corporate America is how I would have described it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was also a really great chance to work in teams. Um, And I worked with some fantastic people that taught me a lot about how to apply my learnings to the business world. I think the things that you learn in school are not always applicable directly and you have to really, you know, be mentored um, to be successful. So I I was really lucky to have great mentors in that. And then after um, I had been in consulting for about four to five years, I decided that I wanted another change, but I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. But at this point, I think I I learned that I wanted to, to... to do something where you had a little bit more like, I don't want to say purpose, but you know, I felt like I wanted to be driven by something that was really, really, really meaningful to me. And then the only thing I could really think of at that point was just broadly entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but didn't, didn't know at all um, what sector or I didn't have an idea. I just felt like I wanted to live with that passion motivating me to get up every day to do something. So um, my dad has been um, an inspiration in this because he's always had that entrepreneurial mindset and he's done a a few um, business endeavors as I was growing up. But I think, you know, I've inherited that from him. And then I applied to Columbia basically with a thesis around entrepreneurship. I had done a lot of research around it and then um, talked to a lot of students and basically made my entire application about um, entrepreneurship broadly, but without a specific idea. And the, the thesis of me going in was basically to get as much exposure as I could in that field um, and hopefully uh, generate an idea. So I know I sort of, you know, <laughs> blabbered on for a no, while. No, that's great. <laughs> Um, and then do you want me to talk about sort of my journey through Columbia or I'm, and you probably have specific questions, so why don't I just shut up and you can, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this, this is perfect. I mean, yeah, I, I would love for you to talk through your experience through Columbia as well. And after that, um, and then possibly then I can just shower you with questions. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. So at Columbia, you know, I, I heard that they were putting a huge emphasis in developing the entrepreneurial ecosystem and specifically connecting it with that of the New York City, um, which is really becoming very vibrant. Um, I think there was a point where people only thought of Silicon Valley as a startup hub, but now um, New York is really becoming that as well. And how I know is because everyone I know is now working in tech, <laughs> which is like such a difference from how it was like five years ago when I was going into consulting. Um, everyone was working in consulting or banking mm-hmm. um, and some private equity, but not really on the venture side. So then um, I had started at Columbia. I, I uh, basically took every entrepreneurship course that you could 
um, not that I think you can learn entrepreneurship through a class, you really can't, but I think it's just maximizing exposure and meeting interesting people because those courses are taught by some really fascinating people. Um, and then uh, during my time there, I, I also joined um, a few entrepreneurship organizations and um, applied to be in leadership positions so that I could help um, organize events and help facilitate like um, interactions between the Columbia ecosystem and the New York ecosystem. So we ended up doing a few events with them. And I was on the board of Columbia Entrepreneurship Organization called CEO. And then, um, you know, I think through one of my classes, it was called Personal Leadership. We, we had to do a lot of like soul searching and exploring what your purpose was. So um, I, at the time, had just, uh, just had a baby. So I had um, my son actually right, uh, right before I started at Columbia. And I actually postponed my entrance for about three months so that I could be at home with him. Um, and so when I started, I was in this frantic mode of learning to be a new mother as well as being an MBA student, which is completely all-consuming, both things. So um, at this class called Personal Leadership, I started to think a lot about what I wanted to do um, and what, was, what mattered to me. And I think at the point, I thought I had a really unique perspective on what it means to be a young parent and to have this entrepreneurial desire and I think a lot of people in the tech ecosystem are just now starting to have kids and seeing themselves mm. be totally transformed um, afterwards. And I thought this was quite a unique perspective to bring to the ecosystem. And then um, somewhere during that, I think it struck me that, you know, both tasks are completely, they require, you know, 100% of your mind share, basically, but constantly juggling how to split the time and the mind share and yourself basically was was such a challenge. Um, and it doesn't help that our society doesn't have really robust systems to help you flow back and forth between your work and your life and your parenthood mindset. So then the idea about cohadry just really, it, it struck me. And it really started with um, me and my co-founder, who were both doing an internship at North Zone at the time, and we were sitting um, in our co-working space, and we saw that people were bringing their dogs to work. And, you know, it was because a lot of young people didn't have kids. They had dogs, and they were very attached to them. And, like, mm. they didn't want to leave them at home all day. And then I was like, well, you know, if you can bring your dogs to work. <laughs> it's insane that you have to drop off your baby, like, for 10 hours or, like, 8 hours or however long people have nannies to. But, like, be separated from them for the majority of the day. And they from you at a time where it's so crucial for, for you guys to be together, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, so then we launched Cohatchery and went really full force into that um, while we were doing the internship at North Zone and doing um, the MBA. And so that was a really crazy, hectic time in my life, but I felt totally um, committed and very, very purpose-driven, and it was just an amazing time. And was it was an interesting, you know, now that I'm in the VC realm, I think that time really helps me to understand what entrepreneurs are going through when they're working on their ideas. It's, it's you know, every second, your body, your mind is all always thinking and spinning about the idea because every minute you could be making it better incrementally. 
Um, so I was totally obsessed. I, I went and worked on that for um, about a year with my co-founder. And then there was a point basically after the MBA where um, we needed to make a decision about whether we should go, you know, full-time into Cohatry or full-time into something else and make that a part-time mm -hmm. thing. And I think it just came down to sort of like, you know, the economics of it as well as the opportunity cost. So then I decided to take the full-time offer with, um, with North Zone um, because also the work I was doing there was very, very interesting. I was working with our portfolio companies and looking at investment, new investment opportunities. And um, so I felt very... Uh, driven by that as well um, and it was a hard decision to make but I ended up uh, taking the full-time position at North Zone um, I am still working on Cohatry and we're actually yeah <laughs> I actually I postponed my offer for I think three months so that I could spend time um, living what I was preaching so I, I was at home um, with Tyler and building a Cohatry location um, in my neighborhood um, and that was really great and we had it running we had a lot of community parents involved and you know after three months, our sub our subless our sublease uh, ran out, and then I started to work at North Zone full time. So Cohadry is still happening. We're actually thinking about launching another location soon, um, but the majority of my time now is spent in venture. And so at North Zone, I have had um, so much exposure to the New York tech ecosystem. I've been, you know, just inspired by the people I've met, and. I've made it sort of my, I've, I've been able to carve out my sectors of focus. And right now I'm really interested in um, the blockchain and real estate tech and ed tech, which are very related to what I was doing at Cohadri. And, and also like media broadly as well. <clears throat> so I've been there full time for just now, I think three and a half months, mm -hmm. still quite quite new but I did my internship there yeah. for about a year so you know I've I've really really just I I think this is something that I just feel very passionate about as well and I think it's a job that I think I would even do if I didn't get paid for it so <laughs> I guess I've been pretty lucky in my in my career in the last few years yeah, I mean, I, it's it's wow. That, that's that's amazing. I mean, even if we had to int end the interview now, I think that, that by itself <laughs> would be massively beneficial um, because it's 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 amazing. I mean, some of the things that you mentioned, um, you know, um, uh, resonate with with some of the, the the experience I had, but but you went far um, beyond that. Um, so just just to get this just to just to try and you know get this straight so so when when you were uh, in your bachelor's um you did you did want to explore an opportunity where you had varied interests and <laughs> you did want to have the opportunity where you could actually just not make up your mind but actually have always have varied interests that's that's amazing that you still managed to be consistent on that yeah, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> I realize I haven't really gone through and ran through my entire work history since I guess forever ago when yeah. I was interviewing, and I just literally blabbered on. And you're so kind for letting me do that. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I'm sure I glossed over a million things. But yeah, I think it's it's been an amazing. 
I think as long as you let yourself be intellectually curious and let yourself indulge in that, that's probably a good place to be. And I've always sort of been good about letting myself do that um, rather than being being tied to any one subject. I mean, the, the, the fact that you actually... Um you know, got a baby before you did your MBA and you postponed it by just three months, not three years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, you mentioned the fact that you were quite determined, but that is to a different extent altogether. What what, what made you, you know, what kept you so determined to actually just postpone it by just three months? So, I knew that my whole life... Um, like, I think this is something I've always had in the back of my head, that I wouldn't just be a mom or just be a wife or mm-hmm. just be a career person and then and, and totally neglect the other aspects of life. Like, I, I guess in that way, I'm a very typical entitled millennial, which <laughs> means I think that I, I need to have it all in life. And I think and that I think it's possible. So um, having that sort of commitment really you know, and this is my, my thing, and I could talk about this forever, but I think just having that mindset really allows you to push through a lot mm-hmm. of the challenges in life. And one of the things I don't like about the more traditional conservative mindset, which is like you have to compromise. Yeah, it's true. You do have to compromise. But I think if you have that as your thesis, then you're always just ready to compromise right away and give things up right away rather than trying really hard to have more than one thing. And there are times where I feel like I probably totally failed on one side or the other. Um, but at, as long as I feel like, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can, you know, balance things. I can have it all. And I think women and men too should. Um, then, then it helps you to sort of propel yourself forward. But if you have the mindset of you're like, oh, I can't do both at the same time. I need to pick one. Then you're always going to be dropping one thing and you won't be pushing yourself as hard. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. But it's so much harder to do it rather than um, be, um, you know, be be in the moment where you say, I will do this, but actually going through the journey and (laughs) doing it must be must be an experience in itself. (laughs) Yeah, just put it in your calendar. It will happen. (laughs) That's kind of what I did. I mean, there are days I was literally falling apart. I mean, physically and probably mentally, I would like... (sighs) During orientation at MBA, for example, um, I don't know how it was with your experience, but I think most programs were pretty intense for the first few weeks. Where yeah. They really try to, like, um, I don't want to say brainwash you, but brainwash you <laughs> <laughs> and make you a part of the cult, so to speak. So, like, we had these, like, really intense activities from morning until late, late night, and I was also breastfeeding and pumping. So we have, like, one pump room in the in the school, and I was, like, back and forth between yelling rah-rah, like, doing crazy activities and, like, pumping milk and storing it in the fridge and then running home in between um, and, like, hanging out with Tyler. It was just, like, a really intense time. Um, and sometimes I just felt like I wanted to be in a room by myself with, like, the lights off, completely dark and no sound. Um, and I did do that sometimes. <laughs> it was, like... And really this must be after... after This must be after a million sleepless nights as well, I assume. Oh, yeah. I didn't sleep very much. I think I'm pretty lucky in that I don't need that much sleep to function. I don't know. I don't think everyone's like that. 
no absolutely i mean that that's really inspiring in itself because um I've, I've done mba and i i wasn't even married back then when i did my mba and uh, it it felt like the whole world is closing closing down <laughs> but actually yeah i think i think it's i think i think you're right you just you just you just you just put it in and you just you just get through it you just have to do it when when push comes yeah. to shove <laughs> You know, like those days when you were younger in summer vacation where you weren't at a camp or anything and you just like watch TV all day long and didn't do anything. And it's like getting anything done was such a challenge during those those days because it's all about momentum, like I think. Yeah. So it's it's literally the opposite of that. It's just about filling up your schedule. And I think the busiest people have said this to me before, like the, the busiest periods of your life are the ones where you've also been sort of the most, uh, most accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So coming, coming back to, you know, one particular point you mentioned, so you were at North Zone, you were interning, um, in, in, at, at North Zone and you and your co-founder came up with the idea of co-hatchery. Um, did your co-founder have a similar experience where she had a young baby uh, or, or, or was it, what was it? What, what, what was the reason, um, you guys, um, coordinated on this? Yeah. Um, so Suzanne, my co-founder, she and I met in like a digital media class, I think. Um, and we sort of found out that we worked really well together and that we think very differently, but we're able to sort of agree, um, on the end conclusion, um, with both of our thoughts incorporated. So usually it was a better answer than each one of us could have come up with on our own. So, um, then through that, we developed um, a relationship and a friendship and she didn't actually, she wasn't, you know, a mother and she didn't have mm-hmm. kids, but she was raised by a single mother in mm, Germany. I see. And she saw the struggle that her mom had sort of gone through. And that was even in Germany where they do have more tools for, you know, for parents who are working. Um, and and one, she felt that, you know, as a mother, she was very, uh, her her mom was very, you know, a uh, very much a role model for her growing up and that she was able to, to juggle her work life and being a, a single parent. And then also, I think she was also just shocked at how society is here versus how it is in Europe where people are a little bit more acknowledging of the full individual in work and family context. Rather here, people feel like they actually have to hide one in the other, um, in the other context. So I think that was her motivation behind it. I see. I see. No, that that's really interesting. So, how does this model actually work? How does the cohatchery model actually work? So, cohatchery is a co-working space um, that has a fully separate area for the parent um, and a fully separate area for the children that is actually soundproof in between. Um, I think, and the idea is that parents can have like work-life integration or work-life flow, but it has to be separate um, in separate containers or environments. So parents would come and drop off their kids and do um, an integration activity with them in the, ch- the children's area to start off the day. And then they would go off to work and be fully productive in a totally professional environment, just like you know any other co-working space. And then they have the option to go back and forth at certain times of the day to breastfeed or to do other activities with their children. 
And then at the end of the day, you know, they pick them up and they go home together. So it's really um, the idea that you have to be integrated but also separate. And also the co-working space is a great community for people who are just able to sort of acknowledge and build on their experiences as professionals and and parents. Because I think if you have this sort of environment attached to any sort of like financial institution, company, for example, um, people wouldn't feel comfortable getting up and leaving to spend time with their kids and then coming back and then going back to do work because the culture just isn't, it's not the same. So it also is about providing a workplace where people feel like they can be, you know, their whole selves. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. I'm, I'm having a look at your website, gohatri.com, and I can see some some photographs over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it looks yeah. like that is the workplace. That's that's really interesting. That's really inspiring. How many members do you have now? So we had one a program in Park Slope, Brooklyn, where I live, um, over the summer, but it was a temporary program. Mm. Um, and now we are launching another one soon. Um, and we're always constantly on the lookout for spaces in New York. That's actually the constraining part. And I big things planned. Great. Are you making money right now on this topic, on this subject? No. Okay. Okay. But is that, is that a business model attached to it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it does. It, it's, um, yeah, it has a a real business model. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's, that's excellent. Uh, now, switching gears a little bit, um, I've always wondered, how is it like working in a VC firm? <laughs> yeah, I think every fund is very different mm-hmm. um, because there are so few people um, in each company that it really depends on how those people work uh, individually and work together. So at North Zone, so I can't really speak to how it work, how it might be at any other VC firm, but at North Zone specifically, um, I'm given a lot of independence. Um, and that is both good and bad, depending on who you are and how you look at it. Um, the first few months were certainly challenging in that um, you really don't, you don't, you're not given, you're not prescribed rules on how you should spend your time you know there are some areas you should probably be um, focused on but you know the actual percentage of the day it's totally up to you so that also once you've figured out a way to sort of work within that um, is very very motivating because you can get really inspired by a certain topic or a certain entrepreneur um, or, you know, even a geography, whatever, and then just dive really deep into it. And, and um, in that way, it's, it's very rewarding. But I think um, overall, I've, I've just really, you know, learned so much. And it's literally boundless, the, <laughs> the amount of knowledge there is out there in this field because things are moving so quickly. And mm-hmm. there's so many amazing smart entrepreneurs working on things that are always blowing my mind (laughs) so you know and that that's also another really rewarding part of it and I I've gotten great coaching and mentorship from my colleagues so that's um something else that I think I really love about working at North Zone the team here in New York is quite small we have two full-time investment team members and one part-time so um, we do, you know, 
get together and and brainstorm a lot and spend a lot of time thinking really deeply about the sectors that we're investing in and trends and um, <clears throat> also I spend a majority of my time going out to meet with other entrepreneurs and other investors mm-hmm. and bouncing ideas off of them and I think it's a good um, it's a good mix of sort of introverted and extroverted thinking and I, I tend I think stay more on the I tend to thrive a bit more on the extroverted thinking part, but there's definitely some times where I feel like I can get a lot done by writing things down. Mm-hmm. Um, but just bouncing ideas off of people, building on each other's ideas, I think that's been really the great part. Oh, that's great. That's great. Are there are there any interesting companies that you have been involved in uh, in the VC round and something that you're allowed to disclose? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, I just uh, we just closed a deal, but I'm not allowed to disclose it yet because it's not um, it's not public. But I worked that was my first deal from beginning to end um, with North Zone, so that was pretty exciting. It's in um, it's in media, but depending on when this episode gets published, it might already be announced. Ah, nice, nice. No, that that'll be great. So, <laughs> if you had to pick out from your experience, you know, what are some of the top three tips you would want to give entrepreneurs uh, who are approaching VCs? What would they be? Um, let's think. I think number one. Um, I think if you're a new entrepreneur, this this applies. Certainly, VP entrepreneurs have different experiences than. Than first-time entrepreneurs, um, but if you're a first-time entrepreneur, I think approaching VCs as people rather than firms, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Everyone has a different investment style and different area that they're interested in. So, as much as you're able to sort of um, relate to that, as well as help them build their own personal understanding, that will help you in your first conversations. And it really is a relationship-building game. It's I think people have said things like VCs invest in lines, not dots. Um, I think, you know, that's a very good illustration of that. I always, I always feel very, you know, impressed by the entrepreneurs that I meet. And I think the conversations that are the most intriguing are the ones where we're able to really connect on a topic and it's usually the topic of what they're working on but they're able to engage me and bring me as a person into their world and build on top of what I already know um and and like sell me the vision so that's one and then I think two entrepreneurs should be well I think there's like a certain dynamic with especially young entrepreneurs where it's like there's a power dynamic between investor and and mm-hmm. entrepreneur and I think that shouldn't exist. I think you should come at it from the perspective of like I'm working on something awesome <laughs> um, and you might have the chance to invest in me if we decide we're a good fit but it's, it's really not the other way around. Um, so I think the more you think along those lines the also... Mm-hmm. like less intimidating the whole process might seem. And then I think third, you need to really be weary of how investors are doing their diligence. So, you know, ultimately the diligence process is is important in that it helps you understand each other and then if the end result is a good 
match, then you are in a deal together and you sort of become partners for life. It's kind of like a marriage. Um, while that is really important, I think some investors will be pretty wasteful of entrepreneurs' time and you need to sort of pick up on that right away. So if you think someone's just in there to learn more about the space and not really thinking about investing, then you you need to think about how much of your time you give to that person versus other investors, for instance, who will invest in you because your time is really valuable. And any time you spend in the diligence and fundraising process is time directly taken out of building your business. And really the latter is the most important. So whenever an entrepreneur is, is very... Um, straightforward about how they want to spend time building business and they are starting an investor conversations at this time. We're always very respectful of that. So I think, you know, you need to sort of make that trade-off balance in your head, uh, make that equation work and also be wary of when investors are potentially wasting your time. No, that's great. That's great. Thanks a lot. Uh, I think I think some of them are really great tips because I've been, I've been on the side where I've started a few... Um, the projects, um, mm-hmm. not not exactly companies. So it's always fascinating to know uh, the view uh, from the other side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then I will just say one more thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's also like for for repeat founders and invest and, and entrepreneurs that have been around for a while. Um, there was like some buzz at some point. Somebody wrote an article that said like you shouldn't talk to junior VCs mm-hmm. because they can't make decisions. Um, I think that is just garbage um (laughs) because they're people too (laughs) and you need to treat everyone in the ecosystem as uh an individual worthy of respect that is sort of like the common bottom line that we need to all agree on in this ecosystem and i think that's something that is sometimes forgotten especially in the west coast um, <laughs> and I, I think I think on the other hand, one, but on the other hand, if you contrast with some other, you know, feedback you keep hearing, saying seventy uh, percent or eighty percent investment comes from the the network. I mean, if you discount yeah. certain people who are in the ecosystem, how are you supposed to make a network? <laughs> yeah, I think being dismissive is probably one of the worst traits that you can have um, as an entrepreneur and an investor and it's really hard to work against that tendency because you have these mental constructs that allow you to make decisions quicker like these heuristics that are driving this dismissive behavior but I think you know in this specific application junior VCs are the most like hungry in the ecosystem if they really fight for you they can get their partners attention that is their goal these people have your interest at heart so you know it, as a junior VC i've noticed that the entrepreneurs that have been the most impressive and have started you know the most successful businesses are actually the most respectful to mm-hmm. me um, whereas like some maybe who haven't been around as much or have just started their first or I don't know. It's not very many, but some um, they're they're the more dismissive of the junior VCs. I see. I see. No, that's that's a great tip as well. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. Um this may be a very tricky question, but I I need to ask <laughs> how yeah. how is not zone um supportive of the fact that you're actually running a business at the same time does it clash running a business and being an investment manager at the same time <laughs> no i mean i don't think so um 
it's it's not like I'm on the ground day to day at Cohatchery. I do spend you know, almost all of my time with North Zone. I think it's more like on the weekends um, and at nights that I'm working on stuff with Cohatchery. But I think in essence, those two things are also very related. So Cohatchery is all about like women and entrepreneurship, mm. startups and you think it's actually a good thing, the fact that uh, VCs who are running businesses are more in tune with the current ecosystem of how to run a business instead of having run a business sometime in the past? Do you think that makes a difference or no? Yeah, um, I think that's the classic, you know, there's, there's a classic question of are entrepreneurs or past entrepreneurs better investors than the fear, purely mm-hmm. financial investors? I think there's an element of operating experience that's mm. really helpful if you're someone like, you know, Mark Andreessen, for instance, who has um, really extensive operating experience and scaling company really quickly and other investors like him. Um, but then there's also the element of like just knowing how an early stage entrepreneur might be feeling about their idea or startup and mm-hmm. understanding their passion. I think is more important, not more important, if not equally as important as the operating piece of it. Um, Just being able to relate in that respect, um, that puts you really at the same side of the table rather than opposite sides. I see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Again, switching gears (laughs) just a little bit and going to the actual MBA part so that we don't do a disservice to (laughs) (laughs) um, the topic of the MBA. So, what can you tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, your, uh, we, we understand already your your motivation to do an MBA. What can you tell us a little bit more about the tactical approach of having to apply for an MBA? How did that journey go? Yeah. Um, I think it really started with me looking at the application requirement and figuring out like, you know, I tried to do project planning in terms of like what types of paper I need to write, what applications are due when. And then I decided that I only wanted to apply to a couple schools. Um, and so I did. And then each of the schools, like their application requirements are generally around like, very soul-searching topics. Mm -hmm. So I think it began with some, like, really deep soul-searching. I was sitting a lot in coffee shops just thinking about what I wanted to do with my life (laughs) and writing that down in the form of essays. Then I would revise and or totally scratch and start over until I came up with something that felt more genuine. Yeah. And then then the next... So that was the application. How did that process go for you? <laughs> because um, when when I was doing exactly the same for my uh, MBA at that point of time, I mean, I, I can say it right now, not back then, but I felt like I'm almost, I, I felt like a fake sometimes because yeah. I felt <laughs> like I'm making up these things with big dreams and big motivations. But to yeah. be honest, inside me, I wasn't really sure whether this is exactly how I wanted it to go, but I had mm. to do a good job at convincing someone to actually have a conversation with me. <laughs> how, how did you, how did it go for you? <laughs> it was funny because on our first day, I think the dean of the Columbia Business Program, um, Hubbard, he said, uh, okay, now we can throw away everything that you wrote about your essays. <laughs> what do you actually want to get out of this program? <laughs> 
<laughs> and like that was funny to me because I actually wanted to I wanted to get out everything I had wrote about it because <laughs> um, um, I think you know instead of saying let me try to be more thoughtful about this instead of saying like I wanted to be I wanted to be something it was more about the process mm. so and I didn't talk so much about the goal the the end result like becoming Mark Zuckerberg or whatever mm. like it was more around taking full advantages of the resources at the MBA program. So getting involved with uh, Columbia's entrepreneurship organization or taking the greenhouse class. I remember specifically saying that in my application and then I ended up becoming um, a part of the greenhouse program. And then it's just like so interesting. That was like very full circle. But I think, you know, yeah, there's, you you know, people are looking for certain things as you're writing the application. It's really about balancing how you how you can fit into what mold you think they want to see and also being pretty genuine. I think ultimately it will come across not genuine if you're just writing it to fit their box or to check their box, so to speak. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think think you made a very good point. It's just about the process. And now that you're saying that and now that I've actually gone through the process and the journey with not just myself but but my wife Mm -hmm. and her MBA as well and plus I've also spoken to a lot of friends that sounds very similar to you know general process of any kind of development so I work in product management um, and you know when we are thinking of how to build products uh, more often than not you have to be you have to be more cautious of the process because at the end of the day um, nobody can predict to 100% success as to how something can be in the future but if you think in mm-hmm. in a structured manner if you think um, you know in a processed manner then um, then 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 things come out of that instead of the end goal so yeah great point yeah yeah and I think you know <clears throat> It is important, though, to sit down and actually think about what you want. Um, having that will help you write your essays. Yeah, absolutely good. I'm, I'm sorry I cut you out. Um, so uh, just just one question on that. So which are the other schools you did try? Um, so I applied. I'm trying to think. I can't remember between <laughs> one of the two. I applied to, uh, I think it was Booth. <laughs> <laughs> I see. But, okay. But I... But I withdrew my application actually as soon as I got um, into Columbia. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it was it just made it made more sense because my husband is working in New York. I've been in New York for six years. I think you know the ecosystem here is just a lot more thriving um, in terms of startups than it was in Chicago. So it was kind of a no-brainer. And I you know I think. Columbia was really just the right fit for me and they could see that also in my application so it worked out. Great. Looking back, um, what what do you feel? What were some of the things you enjoyed the most at Columbia and what are some of the things that uh, you probably uh, wonder if you knew better? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, I wish I could have told myself when I started the Columbia program um, was just to ignore your FOMO, like <laughs> sit down, like every once in a while, wipe all of FOMO from your, wipe all of the traces of FOMO you might have. Sorry, Wendy, brain. we just lost you. <laughs> we just lost you a little bit oh, over there. Did, did you mention FOMO? Like, like not. Yeah. Okay. 
fear of the... So I think the MBA... MBA students in general are driven by this extreme fear of missing mm. out. And <laughs> that sort of made my life chaotic in the first couple of weeks and months, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to really sit down and write down my priorities and like think about, you know, here are, you know, five or six things that I know I would be disappointed if I didn't do in my time here. And then really go after them. And then it's really easy because you just run out of time to do the other things. So, you know, making a very strict list of priorities and what you want to focus on. Because the resources are literally countless and it can be disorienting at the beginning. Um, what I really loved about the program... Are you still with me? Just want to make sure... Yes, yes, I'm there. Okay. What, what I really loved about the program are all of these... Um, Efforts that allow you to really get to know the deeper, like, all of your classmates at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. So we have this thing called CBS Matters, where people present, like, very, very personal stories in front of their cluster. Um, And they're very, you know, they're very intimate and um, sometimes emotional. But you essentially are telling people in a, in a, presentable way who you are as a person um and i i actually um heard about this from one of my friends um at at carney who who started columbia before i did so i jumped at the chance to become the person who organized these for my cluster Mm. and so i had to as the organizer go first and i told them like basically my life story um and it was Again, one way that allowed me to really think through, like, who I am, but also to share that with people that were complete strangers was really daunting. But the effect of that was so amazing. Like, everyone felt like they had known me my whole life afterwards. Um, And then, as as more and more classmates said that, you really feel like you have just formed a new family. And that can be, like, really empowering because... Your classmates are also just amazing individuals um, as well. So they really, you know, it's a really enriching experience to get to know that many people at that deep of a level. Um, that's, that's great. That That's that's actually a really good, um, good concept I'm, I'm hearing right now from, from you. Because I think in your case, it would have been especially quite... Um, uh, you know, altering because with having a baby, I think you would have needed any support you would have gotten from anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, through that, and also just through being really close with your cluster, I mm. I made some really great friends, um, and they would like sometimes help me like cover if I had you know something important I had to get to. They would take turns. Like there was one day where like four of my friends helped me babysit Tyler because I just like my, all of my last minute plans fell through and they like just rotated <laughs> and came to my house and that was amazing um and there's an yeah another mother in in my like not my cohort but another one that was close to ours that um she had she had a, a two-year-old at the time and her classmates like offered to babysit um so that her and her husband could have a date night it was pretty wow was pretty nice that's really nice. That's really nice. <laughs> I I do know that we will be running out of time quickly, so I'll just get through a few questions. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so, and if we run a little bit over, it's fine. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks a lot for that. Um, yeah, pushing a, pushing the previous point a little bit more. Um, do you have any regrets 
from your time during your MBA? It could be personally or professionally. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, let's see. I think you know a few of the classes I took. Maybe I shouldn't have taken <laughs> because. Do you want to name them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I won't do that. But I think it's all about prioritizing again, like and and. It, it's a mix of prioritizing what you're really interested in, also, but exposing yourself to new topics that mm. you might never have a chance to do again, right? Um, I think you just better do more diligence about what you're getting yourself into, and it's not a big deal. But I think the majority of the classes I I really really loved, but the the MBA program is about the course and the curriculum, of course, but it's also, if not more importantly, about the people and the extracurricular stuff so mm -hmm. um, and then I think there was just some like hello I don't know like personal dynamics or like drama that happens in a small group um, <laughs> sometimes that can be exhausting and um, <laughs> yeah maybe I spent a little bit time too much time thinking about that at one point but <laughs> you know, that wasn't a big a big part either Fair enough. Fair enough. No, that that's completely uh, acceptable. Um, what are what are some of your top three application tips for MBA and for Columbia specifically? Do you think there are some things? Let's say somebody's applying to Columbia tomorrow. What are some of the top mm -hmm. things you would want them to keep in mind? Yeah, one I can think of easily is that our culture at Columbia is very um, it's a very open and um. It's a very open and like accepting community and it is very community oriented and focused mm -hmm. so um it's not it's not we, we pride ourselves on not being too competitive between um you know amongst ourselves because <clears throat> even if a lot of people are going after the same jobs and you actually are directly competitive with one another people still study for cases together. Like let's say they're doing consulting interviews, they'll practice together. People will help one another. It's, it's not like overly competitive or like sharky, so to speak. Um, so I think that you need to be comfortable in that kind of an environment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more productive when you're open and sharing really like fosters your learning um, much better. And then the other thing, you have to be like, you know, you have to kind of love being in a vibrant, thriving city. The campus is, is you know, in the middle of Manhattan. It is a little bit like uh, removed in that it's, it's further uptown, but a lot of the activities happen in the city. So you kind of have to be a city person. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, yeah, it just seems like it was so long ago since I applied. <laughs> I can't really. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I don't fine. know if These I have any more points that I haven't covered yet that would be original, and I don't want to repeat myself. So absolutely no, completely, <laughs> completely understandable. Um, just this one point because this is something that I also experienced. Um, how 
did how did you think your MBA uh, prepared you for the technical world that you are in right now? Because some MBAs do a great job yeah. at it, some MBAs do a, a terrible job at it. Um, do do you have any insights as to is there anything else that people can prepare better if they have to end they want to enter the technical world? Yeah. Um. I actually wrote a blog post about this on the Columbia's Entrepreneurship Organization oh, blog. So um, look it up. But it also, in essence, it's basically like everything I did um, relating to tech and entrepreneurship started at some point with a Columbia introduction or a class mm-hmm. or a professor or something. So, you know, there's certainly a lot of access within Columbia and you have to be able to take advantage of that and follow through but there's so many great initial starting points the network is so big um and i think you know i can give a few examples so cohatry was there's a really great class taught by brendan burns and dave lerner um called greenhouse well it starts with launch your startup and then greenhouse where you can actually work on your um work on your idea mm-hmm. and greenhouse you get some like minor funding also to like help cover legal costs and stuff like that and the entire purpose of the class is help you make connections that will help you in your working on your startup and they bring really great speakers in um from the ecosystem that you can you know directly connect with if you follow up on that um and then there's also classes that taught you how to um, there's a great class taught by at Zimmerman. Where I actually got my um, internship with North Zone from, so he like sends mm. out these opportunities. It was like a mass email to the entire class, but I followed up on it and I really like you know dove deep into it. I think you know there's a lot of great you know, sparks that you can really take advantage of and fan into a flame, so to speak. Um, and the organizations are great. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of student orgs in around entrepreneurship because because all the people who are working on them are entrepreneurs. They seem to sort of just bubble out of nowhere. And there's like, it's actually kind of hard to navigate through because there's no like hierarchy or like way to organize them. There's like a lot of groups that seemingly are doing similar things, but are slightly different. I think, I think, I think like that's start their own org. I think that's the ironical thing about entrepreneur groups, isn't it? I mean, they're entrepreneurs, but they expect <laughs> others entrepreneurs to follow a, a structure. That that must be fun. <laughs> no, yeah, there's no structure. Um, but getting involved in them, there's a lot of great speaker events, tours of the big tech companies. Um, you know, and internships are always available through those channels. Um, and then we also have a great startup lab for when you need space mm. to work on your idea after graduation. Um, well, I will say though, in general, an MBA and becoming a founder, there's a big, there's a big decision to be made at the end of your time there. Cause assuming you spent a lot for tuition in the last two years, yeah. um, the, the weight for, a just a new startup founder to make that decision to go no income potentially for a few years is, is just a greater, you know, it's a it's a bigger decision when you've come from an MBA program, and I think it's one that stops a lot of people from going full time on their idea afterwards. But I think MBA programs are 
slowly like learning how to deal with that. Um, for example, I think there's like loans that they provide now to to um, to founders, or like there's a certain level of like tuition forgiveness um, for certain programs. But that is one thing that you know I will say is a negative. It's not all positive, but I to, for me it's it's been worth it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Um, it 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 again resonates to to very similar in my case. So me me and a bunch of um, classmates, we had a good idea, and we did consider should we get started on it right away. Um, but we had a couple of concerns. The first thing, the first one was the visa. Um, that was one big concern. The other one was the money. We were like, we have a big loan, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it took me a couple of years to pay off the loan. So that is one aspect which I completely agree that that some MBA yeah. schools have become better at it, but probably that's also an area which which MBA schools need to consider, especially in today's economy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great, Wendy. This this has been amazing, and, and I'm still amazed at at your journey um, and the transitions that you have gone through. Um, um, that's it. Just, just to close off, what is the best way somebody can get in touch with you in case um, they do want to learn more about you? Would would a Twitter account? Would a website be good fit? What, what do you think? What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you can always tweet at me. My handle is W-E-N um, underscore XS. And um, feel free to also ever shoot me an email. I'm just wendy at northzone.com. Perfect. Brilliant. Wendy, this yeah. has been awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on to <laughs> this program. Really appreciate your time and your effort on this. Well, thanks so much, Avinash. I'm glad that you're doing this uh, for the MBA ecosystem. I think it's it's much needed. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to thembajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.